Welcome to the X Podcast. It's great to have you with us today. I got Russ and I got Tim here, and we're gonna sing song this whole podcast. So. What are you doing <laughs> with your voice? Why are you singing the intro? I love your guys' outfits today. No, thank, thank you. you. They look great, <laughs> specifically the shoes yep. of our. Uh, Can you put your foot up? On wow! The bed? Look at those things. Those, woo! Oh my gosh! Hold on, let me touch. Oh, I can't touch it. And these are called oh the, the Scooby Doo's. man. Oh my LeBron. goodness! Look the at those Doos things. Holy crap! Wow! wow. This is really cool. Put you on preachers and put you on preachers and sneakers. <laughs> you said those only cost a couple thousand. They were a gift. How much were they? A couple thousand? No. They were a gift. Mm, I got them nice. a gift from someone. That's cool. Look them up though. Who bought them for you? That's fine. Who bought them for you? I can't tell. Okay. Uh, man, the f- table's really dirty all of a sudden. <laughs> anyway, you're always spilling coffee on it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Woo! Okay, so uh, we got some fun things to talk about today. Mm-hmm. So Russ is going to kick us off. Yep. He has an obsession that he would he like does. to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he needs to confess it. Sure. sure I've been it. on a little bit of a rabbit hole of everything Elon Musk, and I want to talk about him. I think <laughs> not just Elon Musk, but I think from his life, uh, there's several things that emanate that are huge when it comes to the future. And so... Uh, Elon Musk is the future. He is the future. Just I mean, like, is, he, is he the wealthiest man in the world Yes, right he is just officially. Like, is just like Fauci officially. said, it's Fauci funny, is that, science. I feel like that changes day to day. No, it like, hasn't changed like, in a minute. Oh, it's this guy. Oh, it's It did this for guy. a second. Oh, Him well, and Bezos were neck and neck for well, a second. Well, and then all he did, and this is what Elon Musk does, but then he said, is he goes <laughs> and he puts a tweet out there mm-hmm. about some corporation or some platform that he happens to own a bunch of stock in or just bought and then all of a sudden it jumps 200% because that just happened. Well, Dogecoin no, and... No, it just happened well, this last week. He is big in uh, cryptocurrency. Just, no, he just did another one. What was it? And also, um, he told the UN just uh, whenever we were releasing this, but it was like yesterday that he made a pledge to the UN, if you guys can actually convince me that yeah, I you can talk about end this. hunger yeah, using yeah. $6 billion, I'll give it to you. So right now they say he's worth three hundred billion, mm-hmm. which makes him officially the richest person in the history of the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's start with that. I so he gets to a trillion. So he said he can. I think so he can. right now, um, the SpaceX goes public. The World Food Program has said they're in an unusual crisis. Uh, they said that about could be the statistic wrong about a, about forty four million people are on the brink of death by famine. And there's always a lot of humanity that is um, at that brink. But they said right now, a combination of uh, the pandemic, uh, climate change, and unrest has led to this moment where it's just been exponentially multiplied. Because apparently the World Food Program brings in about $120 million a year. But they said on top of that, they need $6 billion to solve this immediate, what they're calling a hopefully one-time crisis. So they called on the one percenters, uh, the top 400 billionaires, to just give a small fraction of what they have to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, Elon Musk tweeted back um, pretty snarkily and said, <laughs> if you can show me on this Twitter thread how $6 billion can solve world. And, and he said, and, and show it through open 
what was the term, open sourcing or whatever, to where yeah. the public can follow along to watch how the proceeds are being handled. He said, I will sell Tesla stock and do it right now. Right, like accountability. Mm. But then, so then, I don't know if you saw it, but David Beasley, the um, World Food Program chief, responded, did an interview, and I actually thought his thoughts, the way he approached it, were pretty gracious because he didn't condemn and say, oh, you evil. He said, no, I just, he said, thank you. You can tell, you can tell they're desperate. He said, thank you for even engaging in this, and I can show you exactly how we would do it. And I don't think Elon Musk has responded yet. But to me, several fascinating things on that. And I'm curious y'all's thoughts is what is the moral responsibility of those with ex- with just unreal, ungodly amounts of money? And two, because I thought two things. One, like, you please, will the people that are uber rich right now please come uh, to the help of those that are dying? Like, can you imagine if that was one of your family members? The other side of me um, just because I feel like there's been an increase lately of anti-wealth sentiment of people that are against those that are successful, always trying to pull them down or demonize people. Um, uh, I don't know. Just, I have thoughts about that. I'm curious, y'all. I think definitely the wealth gap is alarming, the haves and have-nots. I don't really get bothered by the super rich very much. I, I, I like Elon just as much as you do because I think uh, – uh, not because he smoked weed with Joe Rogan. That is not why yep. I like him. Mm. I think that, um, which by the way, stock plummeted after that. Did you know about that? No. That was a while ago. But um, I, I think he genuinely wants to like enhance humanity. So yeah. I think he that, does. Like mm. I think that he 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 said that over and over. Yeah, he 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 does things that add to the human experience, and I think we need the uber rich people like him mm-hmm. because. <laughs> Um, and again, the reason why he's become uber rich is because of what he's created. I think he and people like him are the ones who are um, creating the future mm-hmm. of our world. And they're doing it for it. Like, if you go look at a lot of the quotes and the things he says about work and everything, is like, you know, you, you should be getting up and doing something and doing something that matters to change yeah. the world. And I think people like him need resource to do that. Mm-hmm. Like SpaceX and all the things that he's doing. And you can look at Tesla and for whatever reason, but he'll tell you all of the He said every business that he owns, that he has created, that he does, he has done it not to original, not just to make money, but he thinks he makes the world better. Mm-hmm. So electric cars, reducing emissions, mm-hmm. you know, SpaceX, different thing. Yep. Maybe that's just more of a fantasy and wanting to go, you know, become a multi-planet yeah, he's, species. But he, Yeah, he said when he was but, in college, he wrote down on a piece of paper the three things that he thought would affect the future of humanity the most. Yeah. And it was internet, sustainable energy, and uh, extra planetary existence. Yeah. And so he's he's actually creating that. What's, what's been fascinating to see is that when you think about um, the the space exploration and the things he, that he's been doing, Jeff Bezos is now in, Blue Origin, all this, that as soon as NASA got out of the way, the government, who hasn't actually done much at all mm-hmm. in, in a long time, and it came to these private um, you know, entrepreneurs who said, wait, we'll go create this. Now, all of a sudden, it has exploded in what they've been able to do. Yeah. And now the government is going and paying them contracts. Right. Like he just got a contract to be able to, you know. And so I think you need people like that to be uber rich mm-hmm. and because they need the resource to create the future. I like yeah. it when, let's put it this way, I like it where someone like Elon Musk 
who actually is creating things that he thinks will make the mm -hmm. world better and the future better, they're wealthy versus just some other people who want to just create their own world and make their world better rather than better for others. Yeah, What's he, that story of Elon when he made $100 million or $200 million and he put half of it into Tesla and half of it into SpaceX and ended up he had $0 left. And I'm oh, thinking, really? Yeah, so it, like dice. he risked everything yeah. to build these two companies. Yeah. And I'm like, who would do that? I mean, if... if if 99.99% of people received $100 million, mm -hmm. yeah. my, my life would probably be over. Like, it, yeah. like not yeah. my life would be over, but my, my working life and my, I'm sure my aspirations would change a little mm -hmm. bit. I mean, I'm, like, I'm yeah. pretty cool yeah. for a while. Um, but not him. And I think that in almost a way, and I'm not sure if this is, is what, if this is interesting to anybody, but in my mind, Elon Musk's money. I don't know everything about it, but it doesn't seem as dishonest as more of an Amazon's mm -hmm. uh, gain of wealth, more of a Jeff Bezos because of all the data collection that they've done through mm -hmm. uh, all the, you know, it, and really they've, a huge part of their business is how they store data on the cloud. I mean, the mm -hmm. AWS systems, like, yeah. you know much about that. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's IT, mm -hmm. trying to like mm -hmm. uh, refer to you over yeah. for this point, but I don't know. It just seems a little more honest. It seems um, like he's got some plans to help the world. So I don't know. I mean, I do yeah, think the question about that moral responsibility. I mean, I think that's. I think that's. A, I. I don't know that that moral responsibility can be pressured, yeah. from society. Like to me, there's something kind of that, that's in. I don't know. It's just. There's something that doesn't seem yeah. right about that. And, and where do you draw that line? I, think I don't that's think a big people question. have more I think whether or not they have personal. I think the question to me should be a little bit more. If you were to, and again, if you take someone like Elon Musk or say someone who built their fortune, they see it differently than somebody who was handed down generational mm -hmm. wealth. That didn't and do he anything. says that too. Yeah. He actually thinks there should be a tax on the dead, but not on... Um, those well, that have created it. Well, it's because of capitalism. Like, that is going to spur advancement. It's going to spur mm -hmm. creation. The moment you tax the ones who are creating, you're going you're gonna to reduce what, mm -hmm. what is created versus taxing it getting passed on, which, funny thing, I just heard the other day, um, um, Shaquille O'Neal, who's, he is just hilarious, and he's, an incre he's incredibly smart with his money. If you ever hear any of the stuff he talks about with his money, you know, someone told him about like 150 of, Papa Johns. But I mean, he <laughs> uh, he. I'm not joking. He, I know, I'm but he's, serious. But he's I love he, Papa John's. he's brilliant yeah, with it. Garlic and songs. and he said he said I this. It. I was listening to this, this kind of like um, interview or part they were playing. They were like, you know, his kids made some comment and said something about we're rich. And he said, we ain't rich. <laughs> he said, I'm rich. <laughs> you ain't rich. And I just love that. I mean, yeah. that's that perspective is like, no, I built this wealth. Mm -hmm. I mean, he went professional basketball player and everything else he's created. Like, no, I'm rich. Not you're not rich. Right. And so you get people like that. And then you get um, people like Warren Buffett, who is determined to give away all of his money and none of it to his kids. Yeah. I mean, before he dies, his yeah. goal is to get rid of all of his wealth. Mm. And so, I, I mean, I, I think we see a lot Thanks, of extremes. Dad. Yeah, I, but I think we see a lot of extremes yeah. when it comes to it. I, and a lot I, of the uber wealthy are incredible philanthropists. Like, I, th Bill I think. Gates? Yeah, they I give, mean. They're giving away a, a huge portion of their. I guess, that's, I guess that's part of the question I have is like. They're divorced. I agree I there's know, an alarming. Um, that's how he gave away half of his wealth. Oh. Yeah, no. 
Okay. I agree there's an alarming um, wealth gap. I, I think the, the tax code is broken for sure. Yeah. I think there's the the hopes of what you – I think none of us know what we would do with money until we had that amount. So I think it's it's an arrogant assumption to say, yeah. well, if I had that. You don't yeah. know that. Um, but I, th- I think it's, it's definitely human to hope that somebody would give that away. I, there's a lot of things that need to be fixed. Um, but the overall demonization of people that work hard and get successful yeah. seems to be on the rise. Why do you think that is? Well, I, I think there's always a bit of jealousy and envy at the bottom of it, you know. And, um, you know, I, I, th- I think we should care about those who don't have anything. Yeah. I mean, to me, that, that is, I think the challenge and the reason why that does not uh, permeate through society and culture is because that's a Christian ethic. Enough, and it's not a different ethic. It's, it's not a secular ethic. It's not an ethic of good people. You can go all the way back to the early followers of Jesus in a time where um, life was not uh, life of children and women and things were not revered. And then you saw these, these followers of Jesus who would step up and adopt and take babies from out in the public where they, or out in the, where they were left outside to basically die, and they're taking them in. And so what, what's interesting to me is that there are a lot of people in our secular world that do not have any kind of moral ethic to base this idea of giving it away, sacrificing mm-hmm. for others in need. That is a Christian ethic. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that there are people who aren't Christians who are good people to have a desire to do that. What I'm saying is that, that we should not probably expect societies and governments that are secular in, in, in the core of their nature to do this because mm-hmm. I don't think they will. I really don't. And so I, I think it ends up becoming a very personal, like, does it become a more, do they have a moral responsibility? I, I don't know. Whenever you say that, I guess the question I would immediately ask is, okay, well, what's the line someone has to cross right. in, fi- in wealth right. to now have a moral responsibility? I think I could argue that the three of us around this table should have our own moral responsibility right. to help those who have less than us. Yeah. And so I, I, I think, I think yeah. that's hard. What I'm saying is it's hard to put pressure on that from a, a government structure or a, a cultural structure to say, oh, you're worth a billion. Mm-hmm. You need to go and deal with poverty. Yeah, I think that's a challenge. I think that I, I agree. I don't think that there's – in my mind, the only thing that those people have an obligation to do is whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest with you, I think that – there's more of an obligation on people who feel burdened to make a difference in an area to to do what it takes right. to uh, meet the needs of the people that you're burdened about. Yeah. So, for example, I mean, this is a really obvious one, but the WFP, whatever, they've been given an opportunity now to have a platform because Elon Musk, whether he's going to actually do that or not, he retweeted it or whatever, which mm-hmm. gave, gave a popularity. Now they have a platform to compel and persuade individuals in order to engage with their cause. Because the whole, it's the weakest argument in the world. We said, well, you should care about this. Okay, well, I, I don't know why to care. I have got, everybody's got their own list of things that mm-hmm. they care about. You know, yeah. if you were an orphan and you lived in uh, the foster care system and you were a foster kid, then you care about those kids a lot more than people yeah. who can't empathize with that, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if you, uh, poverty, if you, you uh, came from poverty, right? And you were- Mental illness, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, if you had a parent or a sibling who struggled struggled with a uh, a mental illness like schizophrenia or mm-hmm. bipolar or 
multiple personalities, like all these things, then you have or, or had a parent who committed suicide or brother committed suicide, then the, you have different compassions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the whole idea, it's just, I almost think it's an entitlement culture. So I care about this, so you should too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, mm, nope. Well, if you care about it, you do something if about it. If you care about it, then you have to come up with a compelling argument. Mm-hmm. So I, I talk about him a lot, I think, on this podcast, but one of these guys that I just, I, I listened to him talking about, he could do that. Ronald Reagan was very good at articulating and compelling people to believe a certain thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there's a whole era of people, not just him, but for, and not just that side of the aisle, both sides of the aisle, but people who could compel people to believe in different things. You got Martin Luther King. You got, uh, I think Barack Obama was that way. I mean, you heard him talk, and there was a, you know, what no one can argue was how he could communicate. And so I think that we're almost in more of a, uh, it's not a crisis of there's too many wealthy people and there's too many poor people. I think the crisis is we can't communicate well the needs that need to be met uh, to people who can actually well, make a difference. Well, we can't come together either because I, where I say I don't think you could enforce this as a moral responsibility on individuals. Mm-hmm. I do think, and again, I, I don't know how this plays out, but when you look at global influence and leadership and and when it comes to all of us on the planet together and you see that there are countries and nations where you, you see, you know, a huge percentage of people are dying without food and some of the basics. And you have these very advanced countries. I, I think, I, 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 again, I don't know where that pressure comes from, but I do think there's something to be said for these global um, institutes coming together and actually mm-hmm. saying we c- I, I think the sad thing is, is like you said, lack of communication. We could solve this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a so I was listening to a podcast a long while ago. Um, Jordan Peterson had this uh, doctor, doctor. Um, um, I, when I looked him up, oh, Doctor Bjorn Lomborg, and he is a uh, Danish author, and he. Um, I love Danishes. You do okay. Um, so, anyways, he. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that he's done, he's written books on this. He's written books on like he's kind of like a. He spent his, his life kind of really studying climate change and all this, mm-hmm. but also the solutions. He's like one of the mm-hmm. top names of people for solutions for solving this. And he has like written books. He wrote, um, he, he wrote a book called False Alarm and How to Spend $75 billion to Make the World a Better Place. Hmm. And he's done studies and books that say, if, I has, if we had $75 billion, we could end global poverty. We could, I mean, it was on and on. It was like we could fix education for the world. It was this. And he's actually done, like, studies hmm. on this. So when, when Elon Musk tweets and goes, well, if you can show me how $6 billion is going to do this, this, and that, there are people that are experts who have spent their lives mm-hmm. trying to literally figure out how could we address this. And, mm-hmm. and not just, and if you listen to this guy talk, it's not just lofty, well, if we had this much money, we could do this. No, he gives, like, strategic steps and plans for what you would need to do. To actually like fix this, it's crazy. And Seventy-five so, billion dollars, and isn't... we're talking. The conversation in this country right now is whether or not the Democratic Party can can agree on a one point seven five trillion or that, three point that's the three point oh, five trillion trillion budget plan for these things. So when you hear about mm-hmm. that, and then you see how much money that gets spent in one area, yeah, and you and then you have this guy who is literally going, "Here's, I'll tell you what to do. If you had seventy-five billion dollars, you can make the world a better place." It does. It, I remember listening. I'm going. It really brings a lot into perspective. Mm-hmm. It brings a whole lot into perspective. It's like what nations like ours and other, you know, have the capability to do. To do. And so I, I would, I would probably try to say it would be, in, I guess, in perfect world, less of a 
individual moral. Now, how do those governments get funded to do that? Do, like Elon Musk says, why don't we fix the taxes stuff? Because as I mentioned before, when we were talking about Facebook in a previous episode, I was talking about Facebook went and launched their sites in Ireland and other places because they got out, got out of a bunch of taxes. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're, if, mm-hmm. when you talk about fair share, the fair share to me, if you want to talk about anything fair share, would be figuring out a way that there is a fair share for people across the board in our country to be able to pay an equal amount. I'm not mm-hmm. saying the same amount. An yeah. equal amount. Yeah. It's so, hard, so if I've got to if I've got to pay a certain percentage of tax for what I do, and then you find out, and then you hear all the stuff's been up there about, you know, Donald Trump and his businesses and how much taxes he's paying or not paying, and all that stuff that's coming out, and he's he's not the only one. Everybody's using these loopholes so they don't have to pay taxes. <laughs> right. Why do you think that they're space programs? I mean, those are tax write-offs. Yes. And so, so <laughs> this, is, this is, I mean, so. I'm just saying, though, this is why we, we could have the means to do it, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I just, you think about the narrative right now. There's a problem. The problem is billionaires not doing their part, which maybe. I don't know that that's not true. I just think that the bigger problem is, like I said, in my opinion, our inability to communicate the cause, our our lack of trust in people to manage these something like you have to like it's hard for anybody to trust a congress where all this lobbying stuff's going on where yeah. you know the this you guys haven't even read that or you read that bill or or uh, you know you left that job in congress to go immediately be a lobbyist and now you're yeah. this and and I think it's hard to trust any of that mm-hmm. and so those same yeah. people are trying to tell us that it's it's the wealth gap that's the problem and the billionaires that aren't paying their fair share or whatever it is. I mean, again, that's just my it's opinion. A good, it's a good point because the people who are saying that the wealthy need to pay and step up and pay more for this are the ones that we're supposed to trust. Like mm-hmm. if Elon Musk goes, okay, I'll give you $6 billion. Like he's saying, who's to trust it? I mean, the moment people get their hands on money, greed naturally takes over. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen it in, in, in Washington, you know, and so... So now I think that's a big question. I think that's a question that I, I think it's pretty awesome that Elon Musk, I love the fact he's like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. well, if you show me how to do it, I'll give you the $6 I'll billion dollars right and now. And I think he question. would do it. And, mm-hmm. of course, what I'm about to say is going to sound conservative because it is fiscally conservative, I want to say. But the whole idea of why I think Donald Trump's candidacy was uh, in the beginning resonated with so many people was the whole, remember we say waste, fraud, and abuse, waste, fraud, and abuse, waste, fraud, and abuse. And I think that there's a part of that that, that – our country in specific just hasn't kept our government accountable for how they've spent money. And so now you hear numbers like, oh, $1.75 trillion or $3.5 trillion. And like, it's not even real. Those are mm-hmm. incomprehensible figures. Mm-hmm. But that, you know. It's like, nothing in the multiverse. When you, the nothing in the multiverse. The, well, it's inflation metaverse. in the multiverse. But, you know, then you start, you know, you start experiencing inflation. You start hearing the things like, oh, 40% of every dollar that's ever been printed has is, is been it's printed in the last 12 months. I mean, th- these are things that are. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! You know, we, we must have come across a lot more gold recently. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's like well, you might as well, you know, print more money for the for the people who don't have any money, and there we go. You know, but, that's what but, we have to do, right? But that's not where it's going. And so we've got these, uh, you know, that saw a, you know, Donald Trump's hard to. Uh, he doesn't. He's not on social media anymore. I wonder if he'll be on the metaverse. No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but uh, believe me, I think that there's. He had an interview with uh, Janine, um, the former Judge Janine, okay, on Fox News, and and this is interesting to me because he was talking about his interactions with General Milley, okay, the uh, yeah. Joint Chiefs of Staff, something yeah. like that. Uh, that same under him under Joe Biden, and he was talking about how I want every 
nut and bolt and screw. I want it all removed because he wanted to get out of Afghanistan too. And, and General Miller said, sir, it'll be, it'll be cheaper to leave it there than it will be to bring it home. And he said, what are you talking about? Cheaper to bring a tank, uh, cheaper to leave a $10 million tank or a $50 million airplane than it would be to fly it to Pakistan and fly it home? <laughs> and so here are the things that that resonates with people. Yeah. He's like, what do you mean it's cheaper to pull the guts out of this $50 million plane that we... And then we didn't. And if you even watch that, and I'm not trying to make it political. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that it's the same political talking heads that are telling us that yeah. it's, um, you know, it's the rich's fault. When it's like, time out. Um, if you watch that uh, 9-11 Turning Point documentary on Netflix... I don't think it's either side political leaning. Like I watch this pretty straight down the middle. Once you think it's that way, it'll go that way. Once you think it's that way, it'll go that way. Uh, but it talks about how we we bought a, an Italian built plane, military plane, for a hundred million dollars to supply to the Afghan army. Okay, and their first ever time we trained the pilots, put all the money into these training programs. The first time they ever flew it, they crashed it. It exploded. Hundred million dollars gone in a second. I mean, how many billions of dollars that we spent like that? Uh, there's stories of uh, a facility being built. I for how many people that would feed? A facility being built for $30 million that the general there on the ground said, hey, we don't need, we won't use it. Built it we won't use it. Built it for $30 million, never used it. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not trying to be political here. I know. I'm just saying that uh, there's plenty of cash. Right. There's plenty of money. Yeah. So eleven hundred dollars. We're, we're, we're not in a resource deficit. Right. We're let's, in a management let's deficit. Let's yell at capitalism because our government is yeah. spending money correctly. Yeah. That's, I agree. So it's like it's that's point. where it's like where are we gonna? You're gonna blame someone like Elon Musk for having billions and billions of dollars, or are you gonna blame the the for government who has it. the ability to literally print mm-hmm. the money mm-hmm. for wasting it? Wasting know, it. That's just my opinion. Yeah. I agree. Um, will you go to Mars? Will I go to Mars? Yeah, will you go to Mars? Would you move to Mars? Probably not move to Mars. No. But I don't know. I mean, yeah. they're only missionaries in Mars. So, <laughs> I have zero interest in going. I know. Do you, I mean, I just, do you want to go? I, I have zero. Like, I haven't even made it to... to Utah. Top ten places on <laughs> this planet. And we're talking about we need to go to a red desolate planet? I don't... On top, it's beautiful. I'd go, but um, I don't think it's going to be very okay, beautiful. I, I don't even want to make the trip to Fiji, and that is like on my bucket list because it's a twenty-hour flight. I can't imagine what it would be like flying to Mars. I know, it's too long of a flight. Yeah, he says it's going to take what six months, and then hopefully over the next few years get it down to three months, maybe one month, because of the orbit patterns. <laughs> I, I, because you have to catch it. At I will time. listen. I will say this: if you allow people like Elon Musk to go and create, I think he'll. I think he'll. It'll happen. It's also I like because I, I agree just, with everything we're saying I about the money, but it's, it, it's also like a um, like a fascinating example of modern situational ethics. Because mm-hmm. I heard one of the other arguments I heard him say is, "Yes, um, I'm like you said, like one of his burning passions has been to help the future of humanity. Yeah. But part of that is that one of the reasons he has such an urgency to spend all this money towards sustainable uh, renewable energy, but then also towards Mars is it's an interesting thought. He's like, if all of humanity is in one, in one spot and the wrong meteor hits us at the wrong time or the right time, however you phrase it, he said, we're gone. He said, so for then him, care. he's like, why wouldn't 1% of the, of the wealth 
at least 1% be spent on actually helping possibly save the future of humanity and get us to a place where we can actually build a new civilization. So he it's thinks fascinating. That, so he thinks is, that is humanity that, is good and needs yeah, to be preserved. Yeah, he thinks humanity be should be, yeah, I guess that would be the question. That's what he says. Well, I know, I'm just... It's just an interesting I, I just, point. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that... It, I mean, Why would you believe humanity is good outside of, of <laughs> Christian morality, in my opinion? No, I agree. I agree. It's really odd. Well, I, mean, I was watching. Saving. Say what? Or worth saving. Or worth saving. Yeah, I don't know. He believes, he, he actually used an interesting phrase when it comes to it. It's the preservation of consciousness, mm-hmm. the light of consciousness. I, I, so in my deep dive, I watched um, Rain Wilson. You ever seen this thing, Soul Pancake? No. He did a Soul Pancake, the guy that plays Dwight in The Office. Yeah. He, he had uh, Elon Musk in his van like nine years ago. And they had this fascinating episode called The Metaphysical Milkshake. And he was asking Elon Musk what he believes in. Elon Musk, part of him thinks we might be in a simulation, that everything we're experiencing in the universe is a simulation. Um, The other side of him is not very spiritual at all. But it's really interesting because it reminded me of one of the, from the series you're doing. He's like, but my biggest, uh, he said one of his biggest mysteries is, mystiques is, what are thoughts? And where does consciousness actually come from? Mm-hmm. Anyways, it was really, really interesting. But to me, the, the fascinating part was how he was, A, I'd never really heard him explain why he had the urgency for Mars. That it's not, it doesn't seem to be on the surface just some egotistical, right. you know, ego trip. But it actually seems to be, no, I want to, like, save humanity, and this might be the only way to do it. Um, but it was the fascinating way of how they would go there. Because I always wondered, how old does he think life's going to happen on Mars? But they would go there, I guess, build this whole glass encasement and build greenhouses that eventually would actually transform the entire atmosphere of Mars. I, I, just, I wonder how, I mean, you, I guess they know, know what material is on there. Can you imagine just you're, you're the one that has to come up with the foundation for these glass things in a material you've never dug in? I mean, it's just and it's, and it's crazy. Like, we're just going to go build about... this and drop it there. So gravity's going to keep it there. What do we know about the gravitational force there? I'm sure well, we probably I, do. Like, how is this stuff? Oh, and he claims that life can grow in the soil of Mars. I never knew that. Well, have you seen that movie with uh, was it Matt Damon? Interstellar. Yeah, Martian. Oh, Martian. Oh, the Martian. Yeah. So oh, yeah, we yeah. know it Potatoes. already. He was a botanist. We know Potatoes. it works. Listen, I isn't it fascinating that we can talk about getting to Mars and starting civilization on Mars, but we can't figure out how to keep humans from dying? Yeah. That's fascinating to me. Yeah. Like how we can't replace every organ with mm-hmm. a prosthetic organ well, that'll do the same it. thing. Mm-hmm. And that, but it's crazy that we're not there yet. I mean, really, mm-hmm. for the first time ever, life expectancy's gone down. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. he he actually predicted. I heard him talking about, um, you know, wired into our DNA. Um, the way he explained humans, it's, he explains it's almost like robots in the way he we, looks no. at it. Um, but that that's actually very common. Right. It, um, that's a very common evolutionary uh, construct. Yeah. So, you know, whether, like I said, you read any of Richard Dawkins' books on there and... Fruit your, flies your, are your, wired to last for weeks. Well, Humans your, are wired to last for eight years. Your DNA, though, is the part that is the real you. Mm-hmm. Your body is a physical machine yeah. to carry the DNA on. But he believes that... He believes it's going to be a while because of the fragile, um, like, philosophical, religious nature of DNA. But he actually believes there will come a day where we will be able to break and crack and repair the DNA code to where humans will last forever. Isn't that crazy? Hmm. Oh, I don't know about that. 
That's interesting. Because yeah. I don't know that our DNA really affects whether or not we're going to live forever or not. He says it's the length of our chromosomes. But I, I, that's that, that our mitochondria. But to me, it's the mm. problem is, is that everything that our DNA as a playbook creates ends up deteriorating. So unless all, you all repaired our, or changed the DNA, all of our. I mean, well, I mean, which is growing new organs, which mm -hmm. is you know what I mean, replacing mm -hmm. and doing all of that. I just don't know how much is life worth living to the point where we have to have surgeries to go. Okay, we grew you a new heart, mm -hmm. so it's time to put the heart in. We grew you a new liver, so we need to. Like I'm just saying, like at some point, is it is that is that mm -hmm. the kind of experience that we want? Yeah. And, but it. I will say this. Why would I not? I would say this though. If your view mm -hmm. of reality is that this is all you have, right? Then you will do everything you can to save it. Yep. Yep. That is a self-surviving instinct mm -hmm. inside of us mm -hmm. all. So and this is, I think, where we would differ from. Or I would differ from having a, a, a spiritual um, context in my, my life where I believe that, hey, I do believe that we're eternal, but this physical life is temporal. Mm -hmm. And so, so the, the view is very different. The view is like, hey, my body dies and wears out. I think I'm going on to something better. Yeah. Now, if you, if you only have a materialistic worldview, you're never going to think that way. Mm -hmm. You're going to think we have to save mm -hmm. this because once I'm done... I'm done. Mm -hmm. Consciousness is over. My body is over. Everything. Uh, it's kind of like, um, oh, I can't remember. I can't remember which one. I think it was um, Stephen Hawking. I think when he was in, um, was it Stephen Hawking? Was one of them that when he was in a hospital and somebody was going up and trying to tell him, okay, so, you know, just so you know, you know, you have this and you, you're, you know, your body is doing this and he, the, the, it was Stephen Hawking and one of them, and he, he stopped him, interrupted him, and he says, no, no, my body isn't, he, he says, I, I am a body. Mm -hmm. No, my body doesn't have this. I am a body. And so, that, but that's the, that's the mindset yeah. of a purely naturalistic worldview where there is no spiritual, there is no eternal, there is nothing after that. Mm -hmm. This is what you have. And right. so what I'm saying, it doesn't surprise me that the idea is we need to save humanity. We need to save the DNA. Mm -hmm. We need to use the DNA to reproduce the things in our body that keep our keep us alive. Yeah. Like that doesn't that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. That would be the mindset. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's a huge difference, though. But it is interesting the the questions that Elon Musk asked, which is the question of why are we here mm -hmm. and what's the purpose. And the no matter if you have billions and billions of dollars or if you've mm -hmm. got twenty thousand dollars that you make every year, or if you don't make any money and you sit mm -hmm. on the side of the road, that question of we are why are we here? Why mm -hmm. why does this exist? Rain Wilson asked him said. What is your biggest question? And he said, "My biggest question is, what is the question?" Mm -hmm. right. so that's that is philosophy, where it just the it it just spins and not spins in circles, but everything is question. Mm -hmm. Your reality is not really reality, mm -hmm. or if you don't have the consciousness to understand the reality, or if you if your reality if you can't be observed from the outside, mm -hmm. then what you are experiencing is not real. I mean, it, it just goes into that's philosophy. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a philosopher. Mm -hmm. He really does have that side to him. He does. Aren't we all, though? It's very interesting. What else do you want to bring up about? I don't Elon? know. I just think he's fascinating. I heard. So, you know, they call him. They ask him, like, what do you think about this whole thought of, I'm just riffing, but they, they're like, what do you think about this whole thought of everybody calls you the real life Iron Man? And uh, and one of the things I think is weird is that he's, he's not super well spoken. 
like he's brilliant, but he like stutters a lot. I don't know. It's it's I just find it odd. But they were asking him. Uh, they're like, you know, like um, like uh, could could you really do that? And what, what do you think about that? He goes, well, I guess I am in ways. He's right. like, in other ways, I'm not. He goes, but it would be pretty easy to create a flying suit. I could do that. And they're like, you could. And they're like, why haven't you done that? He's like. I don't know. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's too much. He's like, he's like, because then he said, jetpacks really do exist in some way. He said, but then can you imagine everybody in in the LA smog and what would result if everybody's flying back and forth? So that made me actually wonder, like, is that part of the future? Will people eventually have jetpacks and fly back and forth? But anyways, but why would you need to? I don't know. We're all existing because there's jetpacks, but we're in the metaverse. (laughs) They're so cool. Would you you take a jetpack into the metaverse? Would you be in the metaverse while you're jetpacking for however many? coin that you can get for if you hit these bricks enough is, times with your head meta you can get the jetpack industry too <laughs> well so. i wonder if the whole virtual uh universe and world is just going to eliminate air travel mm. well, that's true why do we need to try I can, I can just put on my goggles and i can just boom i can just sit there and i'm like on I'm the there. beach somewhere wherever there. there is or mars why do i need to go to mars listen i, I think it's fascinating Anyways. i love talking about these uh things with you guys and, and i think at the end of the day our hope is always that, that we just have that people get a window in on how uh on the thoughts that we have mm-hmm. in uh how we uh metabolize the happenings of the current events in the world and the most influential people in the world and loving Jesus and following Jesus at the same time and how those two things kind of come together and how they exist. So I don't know any parting words. I, I had, this is going to sound, y'all are probably gonna laugh at me this. Um, it may sound cheesy, but I, I, I was inspired by just the way my mind works when I heard him describe how you would make Mars inhabitable by terraforming it. And by actually planting things in the soil that would eventually change the atmosphere that would make a place that was toxic, extreme temperatures, unlivable, actually eventually, if he's right, in theory, be like Earth. And the weird way my mind thinks, it was almost like a challenge slash inspiration to me of like, what would it look like for me to terraform all the areas of my life? Like, what what are the spaces of my life or even my heart or my spirit or just environments that I'm around that um, may seem really hopeless or maybe seem really desolate, but that if I plant the right things and I bring the right material, if I bring the right spirit, if I bring the right ingredients, even even for the sake of like in an in a environment or work environment, what does it look like to kind of create the kind of environments where the people around me can thrive and flourish? Mm-hmm. And what, what does it look like in, in the areas of my life to terraform uh, the mm-hmm. spaces mm-hmm. of my world? That's good. I, I think the takeaway from our conversation for me is, you know, the the whole question about like what should the should the Uber wealthy be responsible? Um, him saying, "Well, I'll provide the money if you came up with a good way." Um, just the, the, in that conversation, I, one of the things I, I'm inspired by someone like Elon Musk is that I don't think he creates things just for himself. I do think he, he creates things for for the world. Mm-hmm. I think he creates the space travel. He's got bigger picture in mind. The electric vehicles, bigger picture in mind. I think he's a genius in, in how he's going about those things and what he's creating. But I I think, in a way, what, what it challenges me with is I, I just think all of us, we don't need just one Elon Musk, I think all of us should kind of look inward and go, in what am I, in what I'm doing, 
is it is it for a bigger purpose than just myself? Am mm -hmm. I just I have a job and I just have this and I'm just trying to make a certain amount of money and I just want to retire and I want to have a boat one day and I want to just or mm -hmm. I want to have an apartment in this place and I want to be able to travel like that's that's great. Hopefully that'll happen. But one thing I like about Elon Musk is that he's trying to go create these things and it the wealth is coming. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think yeah. we tend to get it backwards, which is, well, if I could get wealthy, then I would go create yeah. something. And that's never going to happen. Someone asked him about his business plan. He said, I don't really have one. He didn't have a business plan. No, he, he just has, has a drive. He has ideas and a drive and he goes after. But I, I just I think we should all be a little bit challenged with this idea that am I building or creating something that would make this world better it's going to be for someone yeah. else like whether it's hey why don't if you go man i wish somebody would do something about global poverty okay yeah. why don't you do something about yes. it okay i may not be able to solve all of the world's problems with global poverty but you know what i could do i could make a difference in someone's mm -hmm. life or i could help someone yeah. maybe not just here's some bread but let me help you get out of this situation mm -hmm. how do i lift someone mm -hmm. out of that situation and um, I think if we all had a, a, a more of a personal internal compass that said, man, I, I want to I have purpose in my life. I want to make this world better. I want to leave this world better. Mm -hmm. Unless <laughs> they figure out with genetics so that I don't ever have to leave it. <laughs> right. Or just go to Mars. <laughs> or we go to Mars. Yeah. That's it. I don't know. I think I resonate with everything you guys are saying. I think that the big challenge right now in a world where people are doing things that are so big is – are you willing to do the thing that's so small? Mm -hmm. So uh, I do think there's an entitlement culture, but I also think there's a scarcity culture mm -hmm. of like, yeah. hey, yeah. We, we just we just can't do it. Well, how about this? Like, you can afford to pay for the person behind you at Starbucks. Yep. Mm -hmm. So just quick soul yeah. check. Like, why you? Let's not like say that Elon Musk needs to go and spend six billion dollars doing this or that. Mm -hmm. For example, can I can I tell you a funny story about that? <laughs> not though? buy a latte. Go ahead. <laughs> so. This is this is my internal struggle. Okay, <laughs> all right. So my wife and I, we were out one evening, and we were, it's you like, know, I'll pay for your it stuff. Was, it was how one, much does it cost? It was, it was okay. Yeah. So we were we were, went through uh, like a Taco Bell drive-through, and Taco Bell is cheap. The reason why you go to Taco Bell is because it's late at night, and it was cheap. And she, my wife loves talking. And about you had it. a bad I, I day. Don't, I don't love that. <laughs> right. Was, or you yeah. had a really good day. And it was near midnight. And it was kind of like, hey, you know, let's not spend a bunch of money. I think we had spent a bunch of money like the previous day or something shopping. And I was like, we, we don't need to. And she was like, let's go somewhere. Okay, let's go to Taco Bell. It's real cheap, right? So we got to Taco Bell. I think our order is like $7 and some cents. You know, we go through. I pull up at the window and I go pay him. He says, hey, the car in front of you paid for you. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, oh, that's great. You that's know, great. And my, my wife leans over. She goes, "Pay for the people behind us," and I'm like, "Okay." I was like, "Hey, you know what? Let, I want to pay for the car behind me." The guy looks at me before he grabs the car and he says, um, "Hey, just so you know, I think their order was like twenty six dollars. It was like that's a lot for Taco Bell. You know what I mean?" And I had that's this, not for me. And I, and I, and <laughs> that's not for me. Anyway, that's that's so, yeah, you said, "Can I have a half of a chalupa, please?" Twenty six dollars at. Taco Bell buy you a lot of food. Yeah, I eat a lot of food. Yeah. Did you spend that much money at Taco Bell? I, I mean, I've, it's like five. Well, you DoorDash, it comes close to that. Not that I would know. But, oh my gosh! Well, that's because you're paying twelve for it for that. But anyway, so so paid for the person's oh, meal. But there was a little bit of a oh, came here for was going to cost me seven, <laughs> cost me twenty six. There you go. Yeah. But but you know, anyways, not not all of us are supposed to create multiplanetary systems for mankind. Some or of us just pay end for hunger. Well, but and, and you I can't like, end hunger, but you can feed somebody a meal. You could. Well, and I like what you said earlier too. Kind of goes back to what you were saying is is people tend to whatever their thing is, 
get judgy if you're not about their thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we need to be able to celebrate that everybody has their own passions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't excuse that we should all want to make humanity better. In an ideal world, we would all be sacrificial and generous and loving, but everybody's not. But it's kind of like um, like what you were saying that that happens in the church world too. Mm-hmm. If, if if somebody's really passionate about a certain thing, yeah. mm-hmm. if they're if they're not healthy or if they're not matured, they expect everybody or even yeah. the whole church to be about that thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One, one of my former pastors, Lee, he used to do this thing where if anybody would come up and be like, the, "I think the church needs to be more about that," he would just reply, "Sounds like God's calling you to start that." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and immediately uh, back down. Right, because un- unless you're just saying it because it's your veiled self-righteous excuse to cast stones at somebody mm-hmm. if it actually is a burden yeah um then the i think the statement is just go do it yeah. go create i think it. that's my big thing right now is i i feel super convicted in my in my own life in the micro than in the macro yeah you yeah. know i think yeah. that uh macro isn't built for everybody not everybody's supposed to be a macro you know like we can't everybody can't start tesla or else yeah. tesla wouldn't be tesla there's yeah, a reason right. tesla's tesla's because no one's ever started tesla okay yeah. uh it's like so just to think that oh and i don't want that to be the subliminal message people hear out of the conversations we have is dream big and you can blah blah, blah. it's like not everybody is supposed to do that and that's yeah. totally fine because right. guess what we need somebody who well, we can, can all do something but you can do something yeah but it's not insignificant if it's to one person yeah. Yeah. or in private or not for profit right. or for, yeah. you know what I mean? Or, or, or collectively. Or if what? nobody ever hears about it. Yeah. Right. Or if you just yeah. do it and it helps someone in a, in a little way and they didn't even know that you did it. Right. I mean, yeah. or if it's, like, if it's anonymous, these are all things that will probably change the world around you more than you starting uh, Fesla or whatever yeah. you want to start. Yeah. <laughs> the next iteration. Or, or if you Jetta. want to take people to Venus. I, I just think that uh, right now in a world where we look at everybody else's success and we look at everybody else's money and we look at everybody else's accomplishments and whatever else is built, it's becoming more and more important that, that you know you look at like the, your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> great. That's well, good. So, yeah. I don't know. You guys are great. Great conversation. Yeah. Go buy you a Tesla. Save some money on gas. Mm-hmm. Which we need right now. Buy me one. Okay. I would love one. I would love one. I'll get you a series S. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'm buying a plaid. All right, guys. We love you, and I'll see you next week. We'll, we'll try it again. We love you, and we'll see you next week for another episode of the X Podcast. We'd love if you'd like, share, email in uh, which billionaire you'd like to take money from, and uh, we'd love to talk about him or her, too. So uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>